Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have another Q&A. We're going to dive into quite a few things. Actually, I start by recapping three and a half years of podcasting. Pretty crazy, but there's enough episodes to listen to an episode every single day for a full year. I don't know who on this planet would want to listen to me every single day for a year, but if you're out there, thank you. Uh, But we are celebrating three and a half years, not literally like our anniversary, but it was just a reflection I had today because I just kind of closed my eyes and go forward and we just keep recording and recording and recording and I didn't realize how far we've come. So it was really cool to kind of talk about the lessons learned and and reflect on that. And then we jump right into a a Q&A. We talk about different training splits. We talk about endurance athletes versus power lifters. We talk about some nutrient timing. Um, We talk about how to troubleshoot a client's plateau, if a bigger calorie deficit is even worth it or if there's anything else we can do non-calorie related. We really dive into some really applicable topics I think you're going to enjoy today. But before we get into the episode, I want to give one big shout out to our two sponsors. First one being Top Notch Nutrition. Head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash boom boom um, and enter the coupon code boom boom to save 10 to 15% on whatever product you choose. I personally take vitamin D, fish oil, hydrate, and greens every single day. Those are my top four. Go check them out. And the other sponsor that I want to give a shout out to is Creapure. Creapure.com. If you want to learn about more Creapure products, they really do influence a ton of different supplement companies and they're behind the scenes creating the creatine monohydrate for many top brands out there in the industry. So all I can say is I highly recommend if you're going to supplement creatine, which I always recommend, make sure it has a green Creapure label on it. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the Q&A. All right. So another Q&A, guys. Dude, I, uh, I was writing a post today Where are you? about the podcast. Like, I'm, It's that picture of us sitting here. And I'm going to post it today. Damn it. And uh, why were you going to post it? I was going to use it for 1 million downloads. Dude, there's like, there's so many podcast pictures. That's true. There's a, we took a better one where there's like a bunch of space next to me that we can put like I know, but I'm text. not, I'm not going to put a text picture. I was just going to. Oh yeah. Well, media. I mean, still post it. Yeah. There's a bunch of us both doing it, but, um, but I was writing a caption for it and my caption was, uh, uh, top 10 lessons of podcasting for three and a half years. Dope. Three and a half years. October 2016 was the first podcast. How many episodes were you doing back then, even with Mind versus Muscle? First, it was one a week. Oh, then it became one Q&A and one interview when we started doing interviews. One a week, dude. One a week. It's and like then You almost it, forgot about what you said last time. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was two a week. Well, back then, what we would do is, I mean, you remember this because you were my roommate. They would come to our house, and we would try to record like two or three either in the kitchen if you guys weren't home or in the garage yeah. if the roommates were home. Yeah. And we would do as many episodes as we could in a couple and then few post, hours. And then post them once a week. Yeah, exactly. And then that would give us a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and then we started just doing it twice a week. Um, Wherever you could. Yeah. That was, dude, it was funny. And, and I was like, right. In, but the lessons are really powerful. Like uh, talking about human c- connection, about always learning, about like repetition, like I was so nervous the first episodes that like sound quality was horrible. Uh, I was like stuttering. I was cursing a ton because it's just like a nervous tick. You just say fucking shit all the time. And it was just horrible, horrible podcasting. But we didn't care. We were like, fuck it. We're just going to keep doing it. Um, Avoiding comparison was another one because I remember first starting and being like, dude, what am I doing? Mind Pump is crushing it. Um, Lane Norton was – had his physique science when I listened to a lot. They don't really podcast anymore. Joe Rogan, Ben Greenfield, all these people that had huge podcasts. And I was like, what am I even doing? Yeah. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's, it's not about them. It's about me. And I just did it anyway. Um, but it was just cool to like sit there and go like, damn, all these lessons, 385 episodes. Yep. That's crazy. You could listen to an episode a day for a year. One time. I, <laughs> that's crazy. More than a year. Yeah. 365 days. Uh, one thing about the comparison thing is like, you know, I've said it to myself and I've, run into other people that have said it, but it's more like, I can't, ca- I can't catch them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about catching them. It's just building your own. They're so far you know ahead. I mean? They're already thousand episodes deep. What am I doing? Like what you were just saying. Yeah. But 
It doesn't matter. They started though. episode one. Exactly. It just yeah. doesn't matter. The same thing happens. I talk to a lot of people about this, about their body. Um, they'll look at people on Instagram and be like, Fuck, I want to look like that. Yeah. I'm like, they're so far. I like, how do I catch it's up? The it's the root like, of comparison. Yeah. yeah. And dude, that person's been training for 10 years. Yeah. Like, what do you expect? What yeah. do you think they, like the thing I always say is, what do you think they looked like when they were in your position? Yeah. They didn't look good. They didn't look like they do now. It took a long time of building muscle and staying yeah. consistent. Um, that whole long time is very discouraging. It's very discouraging. That's the problem. That's why but, people don't do it. But nobody ever regrets it. So if you can constantly think about the regrets, I think that's what I've always done because I've been training for nine years straight now. And I don't have a, an, an, like a crazy impressive physique, but around the average Joe, I do. And I'm, I can stay lean fairly easy. I can stay muscular fairly easy. I don't need to try super, super hard, but it's because I've laid the bricks yeah. for eight to nine years of trying really fucking hard. And now I don't regret that at all. Back then I used to, I do, I'll never forget. I used to bitch all the time because my, my nutrition was better on point, my stress management, my training, everything. And I was training with like Luca and Hugh, they're jacked. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, like I eat better than you guys. I sleep longer hours than you guys. I'm like more in, meticulous with my nutrition and my training. Like, like how come you guys are so jacked, especially Hugh. And it was like, dude, I've been training for 13 years. And I was like, He's like, how long have you been training for? It's like two. Because <laughs> I was like young and yeah. I was like, it's a very good perspective. But in, your, in my mind, and I'm, I believe in other people's minds, say, if I train that hard and eat that good and have that good of sleep for one year, I should be jacked. I would say, honestly, if you're that meticulous, you can be though. I mean, think about me in high school, yeah. right? So like when I, when I graduated high school, chubby, no muscle, and literally within one to two years, I was like night and day difference. Yeah. You know, by the time I was 20, because I graduated at 17. So by the time I was 20, I was pretty jacked. Yeah. And it was literally because I was like, well, everybody else is at college. I need to figure something out. I'm going to do something. And I just trained every day. And I studied every day. And I mm-hmm. ate better every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was still like partying on the weekends and stuff. So it's not like you have to completely change your lifestyle. But if you change 80% of your lifestyle for a year, mm-hmm. night and day difference. Yeah. But I think like you got, like it's hard to think about that. I can't stop laughing, dude. There's so many people that have learned that I like work with you and stuff. And like, that's not Cody. (laughs) And I'm not even laughing. It's just like, you looked completely different and you were a completely different person, Yeah, which is a good, good thing. Because people are like, wait, what? Yeah. Are you serious? It's kind of weird for me even to think about, you know what I mean? It's, it's almost honestly, sometimes it's awkward, uh, seeing people because they want to have that conversation still. And I'm like, man, like, the one that you had or that conversation or the way they talked to you in high school, they were like, you're like, I'm not yeah, that either person one. Anymore. It's like, dude, that is like completely left field. Like, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, man, like you got in shape. Things have changed. I'm like, bro, like that was like a really fun conversation six years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's been like been this. training for nine years. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I think that's uh, it's a really, really powerful thing to talk about. Like yeah. just the comparison, me and Sue were talking about that too. And it's just, Dude, it's so, so important to just stay in your own lane. And I I truly believe that like, because I've been a part of a few masterminds where there's a lot of other entrepreneurs that do the same thing I do Oh yeah, in the room. And you can't help but compare a little bit because we all sit there and we're talking numbers, we're talking clients, we're talking systems, we're talking businesses, we're talking growth and goals and plans. And if you're below anybody, you're always striving to be that. 100%. But I think what has helped me is because I've been in rooms where I'm the the lowest on totem pole and I've been in rooms where I'm by far the highest on totem pole. And most people always say like surround yourself, put yourself in a room with people that are better than you. 100% agree with that. However, my mindset doesn't change between each room because I always know what my thing is, my Mm -hmm. lane, my role, my job, my mission that doesn't change because I don't care about what other people are doing or what other people make or how many people they're training or anything like that. It's just we know what we're doing and – we're just going to stay on that lane. And I think people need to do that with everything. Yeah. I did that with podcasting. Yeah. Dude, and we're going to be – we're creeping up on the chart to be one of the top podcasts in fitness, which is crazy. That's awesome. And one of the things I said, I was like, uh, you have to set your goals super fucking high because I remember starting a podcast and immediately saying, one day we'll have a studio that people will come out to to record at. I will have a co-host with me. We will have better sound quality. Like I had like all these things. We'll be on the top million downloads, all these things. And every single one I said, we've checked off except a million. We're like so close to the million. But people are flying out here to do podcasts. People are asking to come out to do podcasts. We have a studio. I have a co-host. We have like systems. We have way better sound quality. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's wild, dude. That's dope. Do you have, yeah. any, do you have uh, more or future checklists for 
The, that's what I've been trying to think about because yeah. the million downloads was like when the you final check that one. off. What are your next checklist? Yeah. I mean, two million. Right? Okay, but but that's not really. I mean, I don't know, man. I think I think uh, just like besides number one, I would say like uh, top ten pop fitness podcast would be like my goal. Um, if I had to put like a monetary thing on it, but it, I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm I'm really happy with what we're doing because we're we're cranking out four podcasts a week, and I don't feel like I'm trying. What I mean by that is like I try really hard to make this good, but I'm not like, fuck, what do I talk about today? Yeah, just it's, being yourself. It's it's just like I always have something to say and always have something to teach, and that just tells me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's what makes me happy. Dope. But it would be cool to be in the top ten. Yeah. But I even remember I was talking to Adam Isn't from Mind a- Pump in Arizona, and I remember telling him like, dude, I owe you a huge thanks. And he's like, why? And I was like, because you guys had that little like private workshop seminar that you let me come to, and seeing your studio and all that stuff was really the only reason I was there. It was like how to become a trainer. I was like, I've been a trainer for years. I came there to see what this place looked like, what you guys do, how the studio looked, how the the gym looked and everything. And I was like, that gave me so much fuel to be like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to create that. Two years later, it's here. Like, and he even, he commented, he'd sent me a DM once he saw the picture and he was like, well done, dude. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. He's a cool dude. He like, he like watches people. Yeah. Cause he said, he's like, I got my eyes on you yeah. and just kind of sits back but he's one of those people That's that, Adam. yeah, and he's just really good dude, but he's one of those people that it's, it feels good to get his approval, you know, like his little like nod, like, For sure. well done, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, do you think that like wanting to be in the top 10 is a, is a uh, form of comparison? You know, like I've actually thought about this before too. Like, so why do I want to be in the top 10? Why do I want to be, why do I want to put out so much content besides I really love helping people, but I don't think. Sometimes it's, I have to like talk to myself, like, do, are we doing more than enough to do this? You know what I mean? So it's like, is some of that looking for approval from people in the industry who are above me? Mm. Like, that's one of those things too. Mm. Um, people like, like I've talked about Eric Helms. Like almost being impressive? I'm, impressing or like, I want this person to know who the fuck I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. And part of, part of you goes, that's comparison. That's. Uh, a chip on your shoulder that's uh, that's not a good motive because you're trying to please somebody else or you're yeah. trying to gain approval of somebody else. And then the other part of it it's grind. Is, is grind. It's it's motive. It's 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 just a to me it's just a milestone. It's a mm. landmark because I look at people like uh, like Eric Helms is probably the one that comes to mind the most because he probably from for somebody who I have never actually sat down and got to talk to besides like DM or email, which if I DM him right now, he wouldn't know who I am. Like that's the limit of DMing we've ever done. But for somebody I've never really known, he's had the biggest influence on me in my career because he was one of the first people to really bring research in an honest way and like really dive into the things he dove into. He created the muscle and strength pyramids, which are the hierarchy that everybody uses. I mean, millions of people use that in their coaching. Sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to like talk to you so I can tell you, I don't think you realize how the effect you have on coaches and what they do. Um, I mean, he has to, the dude does so many podcasts. I'm trying to get him on the podcast right now. Um, I actually just sent them an email, his admin. So we'll see. But that's something that comes to mind is like, I really want that person to know who I am and I want them to approve of what we do because that like tells me that I'm doing it the right way. Yeah, you know, I'm not, um, Adam is the same in a different realm cause mind pump had a big influence on me to podcast. Um, but yeah, man. And I think there's a lot of people over the years that have, have had that, um, effect on me. Even like some people that were like, Oh yeah, dude, I've, I've been following your stuff for a while. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. But I think when I ask you about uh, what are, are the next checklists, maybe some of those next checklists could be getting certain people on your podcast. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that. Um, like like right. Greg Knuckles is another one um, that I really want because I really look up to him. Um, and he's going to be on the podcast. We just He's working on a book right now. So um, he was basically like, I just got to finish this book yeah. <laughs> and then let's do it. And I was like, all right. Um, Eric Trexler is another person I really look up to. The people I look up to. Eric Trexler, you haven't had him yet? I have that on the oh, podcast okay, okay. and I mean, starting next Tuesday, he's going to be my coach. So, it's like, Oh, that's right. So, but, and that's another reason why I saw him out. But I think the people, like, I think the reason it's not a bad thing and it's not a, a way of like, uh, cause there's, there's two sides of it, right? Like I remember having an issue with money and, 
the reasons behind like trying to be successful were literally just to try to get my dad's approval because I thought if I made more, he would love me more. And it's like a, it's a rabbit hole to go down of like why that was ingrained in me and why it's not really true at all. Um, and it kind of set self limitations of how successful I could be because I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. This is years ago when I had this kind of revelation, but that's a form of seeking approval that is negative. That's not conducive to happiness and success. Yeah. Seeking approval from the people I'm seeking approval from is more of a validation that I'm just doing the right thing. And I don't think it's a negative thing because they're not people who are rich beyond means. They're not people that are like even super well known to the, some of the people listening. They're mm-hmm. really people that are in science that like I study from, you know, I just look up to them and it's like, man, that would be cool. You know, even Jason was that way yeah. at, at a point in time. Um, now I say at a point in time because now we're really good friends. So it's like hard for me to say that, but, um, but that's even more cool, like yeah. that it's become that, you know. So, I don't know, man. That's a, it's a it's a deep question. It's a it's something that you could sit there and think about for a while. Deep thought. I love yeah. it. All right, let's get on to the Q and A. Yep. All right, we're gonna start with uh, Kristen Deberg. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on nutrition slash macro counting for endurance athletes. Do the ratio different for endurance versus powerlifting? I'm a marathoner and Ironman two-time finisher. Off season right now, so I'm incorporating strength and weights. Trying to lean out now since I'll need to be at maintenance for my next marathon cycle. So, so, so we we tried to record this yesterday, and I said it reminded me of Ellensburg, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it made me think of something else, too, and I didn't want to say it, cause, but I'm just going to say it because now I can't stop thinking about it. You remember that episode of Family Guy where he's like, Bird, bird, bird. Bird is the word. Yeah. Every time I hear that, I think, like yesterday, that was like in my head for like an hour. Bird, 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 bird. That song. Like if you listen, if you see that episode and then you can't get it out of your head, yeah. fuck. Stewie, Stewie's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> such a good show. All right. Um, so main question is difference between power lifters and endurance for, uh, nutrition. Yep. Correct. So I think that there's a few things at play here. Um, the closer you get to your event, the bigger the differences are because, uh, the further you are away. And I would say like the less experienced you are. So the less experience you are in any sport, any uh, endeavor, so even if you're just training for physique goals, the less experienced you are, the less specificity you really need, and it really comes down to just daily intake. Mm-hmm. So for especially for powerlifters, it's just going to be like, hey, are you eating mainly whole food? Are you eating enough calories? Yes. Cool. Because even at that point, powerlifting isn't super glycolytic, so you don't need a ton of carbs. It's very neurological, which could actually give you the reason to say like, hey, you should probably make sure you're eating enough fats. Because um, part of the, I believe it's called the axon, A-X-O-N, it's in your uh, brainstem, goes in your spinal cord, and it actually helps uh, your nervous system function. It's 80% lipid, which is 80% fat, which is really weird. Yeah. But you probably should have some fat in your diet. Um, it's also why fat powerlifters are probably really strong. Uh, there's a lot of fat powerlifters. Um, but they also purposely gain weight because it gives them better leverage and, and cushion on their joints and stuff. Um, but that being said, I think that like if you have enough fat in your diet and you just have enough carbs just to generally have blood glucose going and you just have fuel in general for ATP, um, you're going to be golden. So it's really just a daily intake. And then as you get closer to the meat, it, it's more refined because are we cutting to make weight? Are we... Um, or do we have to do a water cut last minute? Are we going to coast right in? Cause if I have somebody that has to do a water cut, completely different scenario, which is not ideal. And I've actually never had to water cut anybody for a powerlifting meet because I always make sure that if I'm working with a powerlifter, you're signing up with me like at least four, if not six months ahead of time. Yeah. That way it's like, Hey, we're just going to cut now and reverse into the sh- meat. So you feel really good. You're eating enough calories when we get there and you're not trying to de- dehydrate yourself to make weight. Um, so on those scenarios, it's like make weight well before and then just coast in. And then like your day before and day of nutrition needs to be like really, really good, easily digestible foods. Um, I like to have like a pre-workout meal of carbs, star- uh, sorry, starch, fruit. So carb, like 80 to 90% starch, 10 to 20% fruit, a little bit of fat just to slow digestion down um, and a lean protein source, salt on that meal. If you have that a couple hours before you meet and then you just have some like powdered uh, – like some kind of carbohydrate. So it could even be a Gatorade Yeah. Um, present. I think you're golden. So when you drink that Gatorade, you're going to get an insulin effect. You're going to have blood glucose rise. That's actually going to lead to better performance studies show people kind of, this is actually crazy. People can take Gatorade or sugar or glucose solution, which is just like, like diabetics use it at yeah. the hospital, you know, swirl that in your mouth and spit it out, not even swallow it. And you'll get a performance enhancement because the glucose touched your taste buds. It, it has that insulin. It's in your system. Yeah. Insulogenic effect. But that just goes to show you like 
how much are you really swooshing in your mouth? Probably five grams. Yeah. Like there's just not that many carbs there. So it just goes to show you don't need to have a massive amount. Um, but that's plenty for a power lifter. Yeah. Uh, a, a power lifter isn't going to make or break a meat based on their pre-workout meal. Yeah. It's going to be from the year of training leading up to it. An endurance athlete will absolutely make or break their run based on their meals because if they aren't eating enough, they don't have enough fuel. If they're not eating enough, they're not recovering enough. Um, if they don't time their pre-workout meal well enough or don't even eat before their workout, if they do a fast in the morning, you're going to bonk halfway through because you're going to run out of glucose pretty quickly, especially if you're a, co- a consistent runner because you're basically depleting your, your glycogen stores every time you go on a long-ass run. So there's a few things with that. Number one, daily intake still matters most. A higher-carb diet compared to a power lifter. Um, spaced out meals. I would rather have somebody who's a runner eating five or six times a day. So it's more frequent feedings, um, at slightly smaller amounts, but having those carbs every meal, it's not as important as the daily intake, but still having frequent feedings with protein, carbs, and fats in every meal just kind of gives you balance, even killed recovery, energy, sustainability throughout the day. Um, no crazy blood sugar drops. You're not bonking. And then probably having some kind of peri workout. So intra-workout carbohydrate as well, while you're running, I believe it's one gram per minute that you can absorb during training, which would mean like 60 grams of carbs in an hour long session. Um, I, and I think that's for like high endurance for like bodybuilding and stuff. I think you can cut that in half. I'll do 30 grams in my workout. My workout's usually an hour. Um, but for, for endurance sports, I would have like 60 grams of carbs for an hour run. If you're doing a two hour run, you could probably still get away with 60 grams, but you wouldn't have to start drinking it realistically until towards the end of the run anyway, halfway through when you start getting really depleted. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest difference is you're going to have a higher carb ratio in your macros. You're going to have more frequent feedings. You have to be more particular about timing your meals because especially if you're doing a run in the morning, lifting at night or anything like that, mm-hmm. you got to have meals before each session, in between each session, so on and so forth. So I have a person that does two days on a regular basis and it's basically like wake up, pre-workout, three, four hours later, post-workout, and then pre-workout a couple hours later, post-workout at night because they have two sessions. So it's mm-hmm. like a meal before and after is like the main thing we're focusing on and then like a high-protein snack before bed. Um, and that's a perfect example of somebody doing endurance and lifting. Yeah. But she said she needs to lean out, right? Yeah. So I think you do that and then you just create a cal- caloric deficit. So follow all those guidelines and then create a slight calorie deficit. Um probably more so via fat, making sure you're not going too low. Don't go below like 0.3 to 0.4 grams per pound. But, um, but yeah, you don't want to like slash carbs because then if you're trying to diet and lose weight, but you're slashing carbs, your running is going to go downhill. Cortisol is going to go up. You're not going to lose weight. So on and so forth. That's a hard mix. Like it contradict. It's, it's one of those things where people are like, I want to perform at my most optimal, but I really want to lose fat. And it's like, well, let's choose one or the other, right? Like, so like even like I had a power lift, it's like, okay, we're going to drop a weight class. I'm like, okay, how long until your meet? Like eight months, like a Mm -hmm. long time. It's like, okay, we're doing a four month diet, like hard. I don't want you to expect PRs in your performance. We're going to try to maintain your strength because for somebody like that, she's already doing well in her weight class. So if she maintains this strength and drops a weight class, she'll smash people in the lower weight class. She doesn't even need to get stronger. But for us, we're like, okay, four months of dieting, maintaining strength, then reverse and try to gain a little bit of strength before the meet. That's golden. But we're periodizing that. Fat loss now, strength later. Fat loss now, performance later. So people like this, I would say the same thing. Like if you really want fat loss, you have to kind of outweigh your goals. If fat loss is more important in the, in the meantime, then chop your volume of running down so you can actually handle a fat loss diet and then come back to high volume when you can bring calories up. For sure. So. Love it. All right, we'll go to the next question. Um, how do you how do you handle past injuries and knee surgery that kept you out of the gym? Mindset, macros, return to exercise. When does atrophy set in? Atrophy. Atrophy. <laughs> All right, next question. How do you say hypertrophy or hypertrophy? Now I'm saying it like weird. Yeah. How do you say it? Hypotrophy. <laughs> hip hip hop hip hop anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's from? Yes. <laughs> All right, so next question. Uh, no, we're answering that because it's a good question. All right, go. Um, no, the reason I asked that too is because uh, there's a lot of people that say, I say hypertrophy. What do I say? Hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. But some people say hyper, hypertrophy. How, how do you hypertrophy. It? Hypertrophy. That's what I say, hypertrophy. Yeah, that's right. Nobody knows because oh. some people say hypertrophy, like hyper, hypertrophy. Oh. I say hypertrophy. <laughs> it's so hard to say now. What do, what do I say? 
Hypertrophy. Hi- hypertrophy. Damn, some people say hypertrophy. Dude, my brain doesn't work that way. I know. It's weird now that I'm going back and forth, but some people say hypertrophy. Good. And I say that's hyper- what I say. I say. I thought uh, I was no, stupid no, no, no. for saying that. Um, you can't, people, people go back and forth. I don't know if it's like an accent thing or what. And the other. It's word. the same thing with like creatine. A lot of people say creatine. Some people say. Uh, trophy. Creatine. Yeah. Some people say creatine. And I've heard like scientists say creatine. And I've heard scientists say creatine. And I'm like, I mean, there's an E after the N. So I yeah. think it's creatine. Yeah. But. I'm also not a scientist. I'm also so not an English teacher. Is so. it also a trophy? Atrophy? Atrophy. Yeah. You think? Atro, atro, no, because atrophy. Atrophy. Atrophy, I guess. No, but I used to say atrophy. Now, anyway, um, atrophy is the loss of muscle. So I think like there's, there's three parts of this. How do I handle mindset, macros, and fitness um, in dealing with atrophy? I think my mindset, macros, and fitness – are how I deal with yeah. atrophy and getting back to where I am. So I'll start with mindset. I think the most important thing with mindset is like when I had surgery, it was like changing my perspective. What what like what situation am I in? And instead of like immediately my mind goes, damn, damn, shit's fucked. I'm not gonna be able to train. I'm probably gonna get fat, gonna lose track. I've you know I've worked so hard for all this. I'm gonna lose muscle, lose strength, so on and so forth. Um, and then I had to I had to like sit there and journal and think and and it was one of those things where I, it was actually perfect because like when I, I remember being in the hospital she tells me it's 100% torn you need surgery ASAP so I'm gonna go get in touch with the doctor and I'm gonna connect them to you to the surgeon you can figure out a schedule and I was like okay leaves and we we're gonna be there for a while and Shannon's like do you want some food I'll go get some food and come back and I was like yeah so she leaves no no cell phone service in the hospital you know so I'm just like laying there like fuck and that's when I was like Everything's fucked. I'm not going to be able to blah, blah, blah. What but hospital it, were you at? Sorry. Um, Good Sam's oh, because that was the closest Puyallup? one in Puyallup. Yep, yep. And then I had surgery in downtown Seattle um, from some of the guys that do like the Seahawks and stuff. Yeah. But I remember sitting there and going like snap out of it, dude. Like woo is me. Like just, just think of what is going to be positive out of this. And so basically I just had to change my perspective. And that's my, that's my suggestion with any mindset related thing. It's like, what do you need to do? How can you completely flip the story into a positive? And yeah. it's always the thing is like, what happened instead of why is it negative? Why is it positive? Yeah. And then what's the lesson? Like, what are you going to do about it? So for me, it was like, Can't what we- happened? Tore my meniscus again. And I have surgery again. Why is it positive? Well, this gives me a chance to re-motivate myself. This gives me a chance to like recomp. This gives me a chance to rehab better than I did last time. Because yeah. obviously I didn't rehab very well. Because when I tore it the first time, I wasn't even training in the gym. So I went through a really half-assed recovery and rehab. And then by the time I learned about rehab, when I was in training, it was years later. Yeah. So it was kind of too late, you know, too little, too late. And so for me, it was like, I can try to rehab it better this time. I can use this for content, teach people what I'm doing, and I can dive into nutrition. So for me, it was like, change my perspective to I get to instead of I have to. So yeah. for me, that's, that's what it was. And then that translated into my macros, which were basically, at the time, I did a lower-carb diet uh, because – at the end of the day, like I eat a fairly high carb diet right now, but carbs equal performance. I was not performing. <laughs> so yeah. there was days where I literally didn't even have any carbs, like besides like maybe a, like a cup of berries. Like it was just all basically high fat and high protein. Damn. Didn't go keto, but, uh, but it was more fat dominant. So I was eating a lot of red meat, a lot of coconut oil, a lot of olive oil, a lot of avocado, a lot of, um, the only fruit I was really having were like blueberries and, and, um, Kiwis, super high antioxidant, anti-inflammation, um, a lot of fatty fish, fish oil, uh, basically trying to get my hands on everything anti-inflammation to just help recovery and help inflammation in my body because I knew my body was stressed and it was. So collagen every day, fish oil, curcumin, um, okay. actually yeah. relief by um, Top Notch. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes. That's actually basically what I was doing. I was taking the ingredients and put making them together. Like I was basically like getting black pepper extract and curcumin and taking them together. Black pepper extract helps curcumin actually work, but relief has it all in there. Um, so I was basically using that. Um, a, a lot of ginger, a lot of garlic, oh. all anti-inflammation. <laughs> so for me, it was like, what can I do to be more pro anti-inflammation? Um, low carb, high fat, high protein. Um, and I just did a ton of curls and push-ups. And band pull-aparts. Yeah. That's all I could do. So I'd sit down, do curls, band pull-aparts, and then I'd like do one leg push-ups. It was like all I could do really. Um, I could do overhead press kind of, but anything like trying to plant my foot just fucked with me. 
So it was like three days a week. I was doing like 100 curls, 100 pull parts, 100 push-ups. So my upper body maintained a little bit, um, and then my legs just withered away. So macros were basically anti-inflammation, low-carb during crutches and surgery. And then after that, it was um, increasing carbs slowly. Basically went right into a reverse diet. So I hired a coach as I was getting off crutches. Chris Barakat came in and helped me. I basically increased carbs slowly as a reverse diet as increasing training volume. So we went from like three days to four days to five days, to six days of training a week. So slowly ramped back up to where I was before um, in increasing calories. And I essentially just recomped. I lost fat, built muscle because I had lost muscle and I had gained fat. Yeah. But I was in a position where recomp was actually possible for an advanced lifter, which is very rare, but it was after surgery. So I did a DEXA scan and I had increased to, I was 13% body fat, which normally I sit around like, probably like nine or 10. Um, and then my legs just went, my, my left leg was three inches smaller than my right. And it, my right was already an inch or two smaller than it was before. So I'm still like trying to catch up cause it take, that took a while. Yeah. That one like set me back. Um, I'm finally just now getting to where I was, but the, uh, for the training, it was just like slowly ramping up volume once I could do what I could do again. Um, and, and slowly increasing carbohydrates while doing that. And I just lost that build muscle. And I then probably like after th three months of doing that, I ended up actually going into a cut. So it was like three months of recomping and then three months of cutting for a photo shoot, which yeah. was perfect because it was like, build calories up, rebuild muscle tissue, lose some fat. And then I was like, okay, now I feel good. Now I'm everywhere. Everything but my legs is right back to where it was. Let's do a cut for a photo shoot. Spent three months cutting, dropped probably, I think it was 15 pounds from like 175 down to 160. Um, but that was like my whole thing. Now, like that's a fucking February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. It's an eight-month process because I did my photo shoot in September. So it was literally like had surgery in February. Okay. They told me three months on crutches. I was off in eight. So I started training sooner than they expected, but it was like – They said three months on crutches. You got off in eight. Eight weeks. Oh, oh okay, okay. So um, two months, yeah. a month early. Um, and I, I contribute that to, to the – one, when you're really healthy and fit, you recover faster. Yeah. But also I contribute that to um, the nutrition pieces that I was doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, eight months. So for me, it was like changing my perspective. What do I want to do in the next eight months? Not yeah. like, fuck, what's going to happen next week? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I did this whole process. Yeah, I had true. fun with the process. I embraced the process and really engulfed myself into the science of what we were doing. Um, and it allowed me to do that. And then after that, I just reversed. And now I'm 171, 172. So I've, I've gained probably... 11 to 12 pounds since my photo shoot. Um, a lot of which I think are more muscle because I just keep eating and lifting and growing and I reversed out of that pretty quickly. Um, and I feel good. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like patience. It's, it's changing your perspective. Um, yeah. During injury or surgery, when activity is low, I, I tend to go with a lower carb approach, high anti-inflammation based foods. Um, and yeah. For sure. That's Dope. it. That's great. Yeah. I mean, in, in like training, I'm not going to get into just because it's different depending on the injury. Yeah. I did a lot of rehab and bodybuilding. All right. Next question we got from uh, Superpowers. Hey, quick question. Why can I only do 90-pound squats with proper form, but I can also do 90-pound 90, 90 split squats? I feel since the split squats are single legs, I shouldn't be able, be able to do as, as much or that I should be able to do a heavier squat. Theoretically, you are 100% right. I think you should be able to do a heavier squat. Um, so what I would probably say, which is hard to say because I can't sit there and assess you in person, yeah. most likely there's some kind of imbalance you have. Um, it could be a mobility issue. So if you're really lacking ankle mobility, you're really lacking uh, knee stability, which probably not knee stability just because you probably wouldn't be able to split squat that much too. Um, it could be thoracic mobility, being able to stay upright in a squat, hip mobility. Like there's so many things it could be. Um, it also depends too. Are you doing a split squat with 45 pound dumbbells in each hand or a 90 pound bar on your back? Because what I would say is like, if you're saying 45 pound dumbbells in each hand, put that weight on your back and do a split squat. If you can split squat with the same load as a regular squat on a barbell, then I think it's easier to pinpoint what the issue may be yeah. because it probably is 
uh, trunk stability, trunk stiffness, being able to keep a tight core and like core is like 360 degrees around your torso, basically, even like your lats, your, your chest, your obliques, your abs, everything. Um, if you can't keep that trunk stiffness and stability, um, one, start working on tall kneeling power presses, bird dogs, things like that. But if you can't, then I would probably say that's your issue because if you can only squat 90 pounds, but you can split squat that on your back too, that's probably what's going on. If it's in dumbbells then it's probably something, I mean, it could be the same exact, that, that could give you an answer essentially. Um, but it could be, I mean, it could be mobility, could be, uh, some kind of imbalance that we're unaware of because we can't assess you, but most likely I think it's going to be trunk stiffness. Like the more and more I think about what's going on, it's like, if you can't put that much weight on your back, that's probably going to be your issue is just, you need to strengthen your core. You need to build that trunk stability. Um, because that's the foundation that allows you to have a bar on your back and do anything with it, whether it's a lunge or a good morning or a squat or anything. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the basis. I would, I would say it's probably that. Dope. Next question. We got, uh, Chris page. When, when you've got a client in deficit and their body composition is changing, but their weight isn't, what could be the next step to have the scale start moving? I don't want to put them in a crazy deficit because I know, I know that will only hurt them in the long run. Really good question. I think this is pretty common. Um, I, I would, I, I have like a checklist that I would probably recommend going through. Um, there's two things here. Like number one, if, if they can go into a deficit, you might just have to put them in a deficit. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people, we were talking about this with the physique development guys. Like I want to cut, I want to lose a lot of fat, but I want it to be easy. I don't want to be stressed. Like I want to be able to eat out. I want to still drink. And it's like, a cut is not. Yeah, you got to sacrifice. There's certain things you have to sacrifice. Doesn't mean you can never drink. I mean, once a week, I have something way off plan, whether it's a home cooked meal or it's going out and getting a burger. And I have once a week, I drink. Like, and I can still make progress with that. If I want to get shredded for a photo shoot, I cut that out for the last like six weeks. Um, but for people who want to lose weight, like, that's once a week I'm talking. Like, you can't do it constantly. So I think it's one of those things too where it's like you have to talk to your client and be like, hey, if, if ever, if your ducks are in a row, nut up and get in deficit, like that's, that's the end of it. Like you have to, like, it sounds kind of brutal, but it's like, you have to be able to push them into that deficit, give them a timeline and say, Hey, for the next eight weeks, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be hard, but it's going to build a lot of self-discipline. It's going to get you a better result. It's going to be worth it. And yeah. you're going to get to the result. Like, and, and is the pleasure of getting to this lean physique worth the pain of cutting out food out once a week or alcohol out twice a week, you know, yeah. like little things like that. Um, and if you kind of show them the association of pain and pleasure, I think you'll be able to tap through. Now, if their ducks aren't in a row, then get their ducks in a row. And what I mean by that is basically like go through your checklist or is an 80 to 90% of their food, whole foods, are they eating out only once, maybe twice a week? And, and when they eat out, is it trackable? Um, are they drinking more than once a week? Uh, are they getting enough water? Are they getting seven hours or more of sleep per night? Probably not. That's probably the first one you should start with. Um, are their macros really on point? Like, are, are you even tracking macros, right? Like make sure they're tracking macros. And if they are tracking macros, are they measuring their food properly? Are they eating enough veggies? Are they eating enough fruit? Are they, um, splitting up their protein evenly in each meal? Are they doing pre and post-workout meals a little bit more effectively? Um, like there's just so many things that you can improve first that will help stress recovery, metabolism, digestion, and that will indirectly lead to fat loss that it's like, instead of pulling calories, like let's go through all the checklists of how you can tighten up everything. Yeah. Um, and I actually find that like, if you list all those things, people are like, oh, like that's so much shit. But as a coach, if you say one thing, you're like, Hey, can we tighten up water and sleep. meal timing or yeah. sleep or yeah. whatever? It's like one or two things. Okay. I can do that. Then they feel better when they feel better. They have more momentum and motive to, to keep do doing next. And adherence just gets better and better. Yeah. So um, one thing at a time, getting your ducks in a row. And then after that, it's like, okay, got to go on a calorie deficit. Like it's yeah. just it's just the name of the game. Because once you get started on those first one or two things, then it becomes a habit. And then you can start on the next one to exactly. make, it, make it become a habit. Yeah. Um, and, and it's habit stacking. Yeah. Habits just get easier as you stack them and add them on. Absolutely. And keep them consistent. Yep. But if you drop 17 habits at once, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to go with uh, Jessica Tottarello-Todd. Interesting. What are some signs or symptoms someone might <laughs> see that would indicate that they should get their hormones tested, estrogen or testosterone? Um, 
I wouldn't even limit it to just estrogen or testosterone. I would lim- I would say like all sex hormones, um, a full metabolic panel. Yeah. Um, I think it's smart two or three times a year for people to get vitamin D, cholesterol, um, uh, basically a full metabolic panel, like all your your deficient potential deficiencies, um, then sex hormones. So you're getting uh, SBGH, growth hormone, testosterone, thyroid, estrogen, progesterone, like just get everything because if there's any red flags, then you know, and, and that kind of gives you accountability because every, you know, how like four or five, six months, you're getting your hormones tested for sure. Um, at least once a year, but symptoms that tell me you need to is number one, unexplained weight gain. If you're gaining weight or cannot lose weight and you have no explanation as to why, because you actually have created a big deficit, you've done everything you need to do, go get it tested. Um, go get your health tested too, because even stuff like PCOS, like PCOS, there are some effects that cause a calorie deficit to not really work for individuals. Um, but it's not because a calorie deficit doesn't work. Calorie deficit always works as thermodynamics. It's excuse me, it's that there's some metabolic processes that kind of go haywire and essentially your calorie deficit is going to be much lower than the average individuals. Therefore, you think a calorie deficit's not working for you, but it is. You're just not in a big enough calorie deficit and you have to, you have to go even further. Um, and there's some macro differences there too, but you wouldn't know unless you got your health tested and saw PCOS as a thing. So if you have unexplained weight gain or, or a serious issue losing weight, that's one thing. Um, if you have very poor performance or like a poor pump, like you don't get a good pump in the gym, that's another sign of like a, a poor health measure that you should probably check into. Um, tired and wired is another one. So like if you are tired during the day, like you're groggy and fatigued, but then you go to lay in bed and you're wired and you can't fall asleep, that's a really big signal that mm. something metabolically is is incorrect. And usually it's because of cortisol levels, yeah. but that could also be indirectly caused by Poor insulin, um, testosterone, estrogen, all these different hormones too, thyroid. Um, so at the end of the day, like any biofeedback, yeah. stress is o- overwhelmingly uh, an issue. Digestion is really bad. Uh, you have a lot of food intolerances. Like there's just so many things that I think it's kind of like – the answer really is like when shouldn't you yeah. get your hormones tested? Because at the end of the day, I think everybody really should. If you want to be really healthy and you want to have an easier process of, of dieting and, and nutrition and stuff like that, Go get your hormones tested because it gives you a black and white answer as to what's going well, what's not, and then you can start doing things. It's why like we can supplement with DIM or ashwagandha or fish oil or vitamin D and all these different things to help stop the cortisol fluctuations, help you get better stress management, help you have better hormone levels. Um, and yeah, I mean. So if someone gets their hormones tested and something is out of whack and they see that result and then they do something to fix it. When should they follow up? That's a good question. I would say six months. Um, I think it depends. So like right now, I, I got my hormones tested, talked to endocrinologists, we're doing some things, and 10 weeks was the marker he gave me. Do um, this stuff, and then 10 weeks later to see how it's Yeah, done. go get tested again in 10 weeks. Um, and I think it depends on the severity of it um, and your willingness. Yeah. Like he knows like what I do and who I am, and I'm like – Whatever you, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Yeah. Like this stuff is cool and science and interesting to me. Um, but most people I would say like, you know, like in between three to six months and it kind of depends like, and, and it's, it's also more so like, I believe that your true biofeedback tells you more. So testosterone is the best example to use for this, but the, the reference range for testosterone, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I believe it's like in the 200s or 250 or maybe it's 300 all the way up to like 900. Yeah. It's a huge range. Um, a hundred years ago, that range was like 700 to 1500 or something like that, like completely huge gap. So there's two excuses for this. Number one, as the average male testosterone declines as a society, the average and medical uh, recommendations declines too. makes sense. Cause we're like, okay, what's the average range of testosterone? Okay. It's between 250 to 900, let's say or 300, 900. That's great. But that's the average because as a culture, we're horribly unhealthy. Yeah. Super stressed out, have a ton of artificial things coming into our life and we have less muscle mass and more body fat. Therefore our testosterone is in the floor, but that's the average. Yeah. You know, so, um, if you go from the average of what a male is supposed to be, it's a lot higher, but then there's also people that argue me and Travis hunt. We're talking about this. He was like, well, can't you make the argument that, you know, hundred, 200 years ago, uh, evolutionarily speaking, we needed higher testosterone because I needed to go kill animals and hunt for my family. And, yeah. Uh, and like survive. I didn't live as long and survive like the revenant is yeah. what I think of, you know, that movie, it's a great movie, but 
it's a, it's a fair argument. We yeah. might not need as much testosterone as we once did. Um, but I still believe our average reference range is below average. So my point being is, is with this is like, you know, one of the things that a lot of doctors will say is like, Hey, like, I don't really care if you're at 300 or 1200. If you feel like shit, you have low sex drive, you don't have energy, you have bad memory, you have bad cognitive ability, your testosterone is lower than it should be. Um, or if any of those symptoms are declining, then your testosterone is dropping because a lot of people Somebody can have 300 and somebody can have a 700 level testosterone total test and they feel the exact same because levels are different depending on the individual. Or 300 could feel better than the 700. Exactly. Um, It's rare, but it can happen. Personal biofeedback. 100%. It's completely individual. And there's also free testosterone. So free testosterone is different than total. Some some doctors like to go more off free. Some like to go off more off total. Some like free. So there's, there's something called free testosterone. There's something called total testosterone. Okay. They're two different numbers. So like okay. uh, the reference range for free, I think, is like 10 to 25 or something like that. And then yeah. for total, it's like hundreds. Yeah. Um, it's just a different reading. Some people like to go off one versus the other. Most doctors like to go off both. Yeah. And it's kind of a way to say like, well, if one is totally fine, the other one's not, maybe there's something else going on we can fix. If both of them are in the floor, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, so if you see it and something is really wrong, more frequently, you should probably get tested. But the whole point of me saying this is it's all individual. So if you go in and your testosterone is shit, you start implementing stress management, sleep, ashwagandha, um, different supplements, all these supplements I take and, and focus on sleep and stress management, all these things. And then you go get tested again in three months and it's better, then you're good. Just keep doing those things. So like if you, you get tested, you need to fix something, you implement supplementation and, and stress management protocols, go get tested again in three months because that – realistically even 10 weeks is really hard to like make a big difference but like i'm very meticulous about what i do so i think i can squeeze out more um 12 weeks is probably a little bit better you have like full three months to see if you're making a difference at all um if you're making a difference at all go back another like six months yeah so it would be like three months and then six months after that get another test if it's continuing to rise you're on the right track and then you can go to like once a year maybe um but if you go in three months and it's worse or it's the same now you have to try something different yeah and you're gonna have to go again in three months because you haven't fixed the issue yet. Gotcha. So the more you're on the incline with your hormones, I think the less often you need to get them tested. But regardless, I think everybody should be getting them tested, tested once or twice a year. Yeah. Dope. All right. Um, next question we got is uh, from Mia Zupan. Upper, lower versus anterior, posterior splits. When would you recommend each one? So anterior, posterior split is basically front side, back side. So it's like a push pull. Yeah. So which I really like, I think. So So this would be like you're doing full body, but like day one might be anterior. So you're pushing. So it might be you're hitting quads, chest, shoulders, triceps. So all your pushing muscles, maybe your abs too. Um, posterior days, you are doing like deadlifts. So you're doing pulls. So like lats, traps, back, rhomboids, biceps, glutes, hamstrings, everything on your backside. Um, I think those work well for somebody who needs something dramatically different. Like I can think of one person that like, so Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah, he's responding really well to an anterior posterior split, but it's cause he'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to grow his legs. He's a really tall guy. So it's like trouble spot is his legs. So for him, he's only hitting quads three times a week. Still, uh, hamstrings three times a week. It's like a good two to three times a week frequency. However, his legs in general are getting blood flow and oxygen to him every single day because he's doing either front or back, you know, mm-hmm. but he's bringing attention to his legs every day. Um, so for him, that's working really well, but I think it's also working really well cause he's never done it before. If somebody came to me and they've only done that and I put them on upper lower, they'd probably do way better. So I think it's one of those things is that the best program you're on, uh, the best program is the program you're not on because it's something different especially if you've been doing the same shit for a long time. Um, the main time I will change between those two is a, if I need more frequency on a muscle, I might go to an anterior posterior tilt or anterior posterior split. Um, or I just go to a higher frequency. So like what I'm doing right now, six days a week, upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. Um, but it's hard to say I I will often do like I have a anterior posterior split in the uh, Taylor trainer portal and I like sending people to that one if they have aesthetic goals, but they have a CrossFit background because it's full body. Mm-hmm. When you do a squat and a bench press in the same day, like you're taxed. So it's great for fat loss, but it's also one of those things where your heart rate's going up. You feel like really exhausted. Some people are addicted to that high intensity, full body. Um, if that is you, but you have an aesthetic goal of, of fat loss or muscle growth, 
I push you towards an anterior posterior tilt sometimes. Um, if you have more of a bodybuilding background or if you have any joint issues, upper lower split. I like an upper lower split better because my shoulders usually hurt after a couple weeks of doing anterior posterior tilt or <laughs> I always say that anterior posterior split, um, anterior posterior tilt is on yeah. the pelvis, but, yep. um, because it's like I, I come in and I'm like squat or front squat and then push and then push and then, you know, extension, like there's no pulling, there's no e extension and there's no retraction of my scapula. Mm -hmm. So I end up getting kind of sore and in a shitty posture. So for me personally, like I feel better on an upper lower split just because from a joint perspective, I like supersetting things. Like I'm doing a dumbbell press with a row. Like my shoulders feel so much better when I do that. And if I'm accomplishing the same volume in either scenario, the result's going to be the same from a muscle growth perspective. For sure. Um, so yeah, the only time I ever really favor anterior posterior is like if you've never done it before and if you really enjoy full body, I think it's a great change of pace. I've done that many times for myself just as a change of pace. I think it's fun. Um, if you ever have any joint issues, I like an upper lower split that uses a lot of pushing and pulling supersetting because I think it's just healthier on your joints. It's not as repetitive. Um, but either one, as long as volumes, it, it's basically like a playing a volume game. Like which one's going to allow you to adhere better, have fun, more fun, and then manage your volume appropriately. Yeah, that's awesome. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.